It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fight. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name's Taylor Fike, and with me I have my co-host Bradley Fike. Right from downtown up to uptown, that's me. I feel like you could be a sports announcer. Remember when you did sports announcing for the girls' soccer team? Oh, yeah. They loved you. I did it for soccer, and then I did a few of them in the ice arena when you guys played hockey. The ice arena. I loved that because you had the echo. Oh, yeah. And you go, goal by, and then we'd go on and on. It was a good time. The, I, I think you were a crowd favorite. Whenever whenever there was something, whether it's even a substitution or anything, the, the whole crowd looked back up to the box. They didn't even care what's going on in the field. I think I should apply for the job at the uh, professional arenas up in Cleveland. You could be the Q's voice, the new voice of the Q for yeah. the Cavs. Don't get me started. Get a little echo. You got a little echo on there. I could start rocking right now. Yeah, we could. You know, I think this little board. You can add reverb to it and give you the the arena sound. Oh crap! That, Let's. Uh, <laughs> that does sound a little dangerous. That sounds like way too much fun. I think it'd be a good time. Isn't this supposed to be work? Yeah, but yeah. but we're having too much fun. Well, you know, that would be like the announcer job. Hey, what a fun job! Speaking of having fun, did you notice that uh, we didn't do a podcast at the end of July? I did, and that's because you were on a, a multiple vacations. So uh, tell me how your vacations were. Oh, it was beautiful weather. We were on the beach. I was laying in the pool on the floaty. It was perfect. I was like a beached whale. But I think your first vacation was like three days, and that wasn't so good. That was not good. I had food poisoning. Oh, That was brutal. It's a terrible thing. It's a good thing I wasn't at work because I wouldn't have been at work if I was home. But I just laid around. It was, we went up to the lake and we were going to go boating. I had some friends up there with me. We we're going to have a good time. And all I did was lay in bed and complain. Well, you are a true fike if you're complaining when you're sick. At least that's what our wives tell us. Yeah. I don't think I do. I think I just crawl up in the corner and leave me alone. But she says I complain a lot. I, I complain know. a lot when I'm sick. I, I get the uh, the man cold, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> but that's a real thing. Ma- male colds are worse than anybody else's colds. I don't care what they say. It's brutal. You just can't you can't function. My wife, she says she gets a cold and she just does everything like normal, you know, and she, spreads the germs to somebody else. And she, well, yeah, exactly. That's see, what that's, I tell my wife. She goes, "Oh, I still go to work." I go, "Yeah," and you're passing the germs on to everybody. See, the man cold or the man flu, even those are they're just far worse beast. Yeah. Well, I think maybe I try to spin it as that we're much more caring for our fellow citizens by not spreading the the disease, so we stay home and whine and moan. I like that. We're we're men of the people. Men know? of the people. Men- Okay, on with our job, people. Yeah, on with the, on with our actual job here. So, yeah, sorry we missed our episode uh, at the end of July. I know that um, things were a little crazy in here, and we just decided that uh, taking a week off would be all right. And hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much. But today we're getting back to our series, which we introduced at the beginning of July. We're talking about five dumb things that smart people believe. Now, we're not calling you dumb. You're actually the smart people, all of you who are listening to this. You're smart. But there are some things that you might believe that it, once you start breaking them down and looking at them a little bit deeper, you go, well, that's kind of dumb. I don't know why I believe that. And I think the problem is when it comes to finances and it comes to things all over the, all over the world with money and personal retirement and all those types of things, that there's just so much information that you get analysis paralysis. You just you don't know what to do. You don't know what to research. You don't know what to put your time into. And so instead of doing the correct research, you just don't do anything at all. And you just trust whatever someone says. Well, the problem with doing that is what if that someone 
has a bias or what if that someone is telling you something because it's going to make them some money and it doesn't re- they don't really care about making you any money and so you do have to do some due diligence you have to test some of these things and so what we want to talk about are some of the things that maybe you've heard about maybe you already believe that they may not fully be true and this week we're talking about annuities woo this is Brad's favorite subject if there's a soapbox that he could get on it's the annuity soapbox i could go on forever well you've just been you've been in the insurance industry since what the late 80s early 80s 83 is when 83 i started 80s. as a college agent with a big life insurance company so you've seen the the ups and the downs of the insurance world, and you've seen, well, we Grandpa, before he retired, he started in 61 with the insurance agencies. You know, he worked with Northwestern Mutual. Right. And so he had seen tons and tons of annuities and life insurance products that have gone through. And we have clients who we've had for 60 years who are, have gone through and used some of those products, and you've seen how they've changed and flowed and maybe how integrity with the insurance companies wasn't always there, that they said it was going to be one way, and 10, 15 years later down the road, it turned out to be a different way, or sometimes even less than that, two or three years later, it turned out to be different. So we want to talk a little bit about that, because around here, at least, there's a there's a local radio show um, that they put out advertisements all the time about a company that sells annuities. And there's real interesting ways that they present those in advertising that sound really enticing. I mean, the big the big thing that most people say when they're selling annuities is it's guaranteed. You know, there's no downside risk that you could get up to double digit returns without ever losing any of your money. Or there's no fees involved in any of this. You know, you don't lose any money, you don't get you don't pay any fees. And sometimes those are a little misleading. Well, I always say, and not just me, but what's the saying? Follow the money, right? You know that saying? So anytime where there is flashy tons, okay, I'm not just talking about, we're not just focused on local stuff here. I'm talking industry-wide, the annuity industry, massive, massive, massive ways to spin annuity sales because the money to be made is massive. I'm not talking hundreds of millions. I'm talking billions to be made in the annuity industry just in the United States. It's a ridiculous market. High commissions are paid to the sales guys, and they don't have to disclose it. They'll tell you there's no fees. There isn't any fees. It doesn't come out of your money, but you're giving up some freedom, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But just remember, follow the money. The more money that can be made in anything, means they speak louder than anything, right? And they have the money to advertise and promote in massive ways, and they will spin their product as the only and greatest product in the world. But in the end, it is the greatest product in the world for one, the insurance company, and two, the annuity salesman. No matter how they do it, no matter how they spin it, that's what it is. It's all about the money. And we don't want to bash all annuities, because I think there are certain types of annuities that have certain places in a financial plan. But what we do want to bash, and and this is our opinion, of course, but what we do want to bash is the idea that an annuity is a one-size-fit-all retirement plan. That no matter what your goals are, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, that if you get an annuity, you're going to have a great retirement. And that's how that's how it gets sold. It gets sold as this fear piece of, well, you never want to lose money, right? No, I never want to lose. I don't. I personally don't ever want to lose money. So yeah, that, that fits me. And you want to make up to double digit returns, right? Yeah, that sounds great. Well, the reality is, is that they play on that fear piece 
and make it sound like no matter who you are, where, what stage of life you're in, that this is going to be a good fit for your retirement plan. It's just not true. It's not. Yeah. And, and again, uh, annuities themselves, there's, I always say 98% of them are junk. That's my opinion. And I could probably back that up by showing historical returns. If somebody would ever gather those historical returns honestly, I think people would agree. But uh, so I'm just making that as my opinion. I like to say it 98% of the annuities junk, 2% might be good out there. So the annuity itself is okay. It's how they're presented, how they're sold, and the integrity of the whole industry. Yeah. Well, and so let's start off with our first point here. And, and one of the reasons that we don't love annuities and maybe not maybe not why we don't love them but why they don't always make sense for most people's retirement plan is they lack flexibility. Absolutely. So so maybe describe a little bit how the top ones that are being sold right now annuity-wise is probably most of those fixed indexed annuities, right? Fixed index annuities. Those are kind of the big one that seem to be going across. Those are the ones that are advertising that say up to double digit returns with no downside risk. Yeah. Basically, you got three types of annuities out there. One, you have a fixed annuity, which has some kind of fixed interest rate or the interest rate growth on those annuities is based on some kind of index. Originally, it was the S&P 500 index. So whatever I talk today, I'll probably just talk about that. But there's all kinds of indexes now created. And what that means is that your interest growth is based on how well that index does on different points in terms. A fixed interest annuity also can be a fixed interest. A fixed interest and an index annuity are both fixed annuities, okay? Then there is variable annuities, which are you buy an annuity that invests in mutual funds or some kind of market where you take the full risk. So those you can go up and they can go down in value and it needs to be somebody has a securities license to sell those. And then there's single premium immediate annuities where you take a lump sum of money and it guarantees a payout for a specific period of time or for life or whatever. Very similar to a pension payout. Okay, so those are really the three types of annuities. But the biggest ones sold are probably the fixed annuity world. I shouldn't say that because the variable annuity world is a pretty big world as well, sold by guys with securities where those are investments within that. Those are separate accounts. That means you, the client, are taking risk. Right. Fixed annuities, your money is going to the insurance company and it's going in with the, uh, if it's a fixed interest annuity, it goes in with with the investments of that insurance company. Whatever the insurance company earns in interest, let's say they make 5%, they're going to take a couple percent off of that because they're buying bonds in most cases. Maybe some companies will buy uh, real estate or stocks or things like that in their portfolio. But for the most part, it's a bond portfolio. Where else do you get safety, right? Right. So the bond portfolio, they take a couple percent off for administration and, you know, they got to have a little extra for them. Because they have overhead and they have, if it's a big commercial company, there's probably some big high flyers at the top of the food chain. And uh, so that's, that's where I say there's your cost. Right. And so you might end up getting 3%. Today, probably one and a half to 2% is really a more reality uh, return in a fixed interest annuity. And an index annuity, just basically you put your money in, they're going to take, they're buying an S&P, what's, if it's used as S&P 500, they're buying an S&P 500 option where you get some of the upside of how well the S&P does. So let's use a, an annual point to point, which is a one year product, which is a 10-year product or an eight-year product or seven, whatever the year product is. But each year they reset that strategy. And uh, so you get upside based on how well that index does. 
with a, to a certain cap or to a per, certain share of that to protect you from losing money each year. So in essence, to keep me from losing money each year, I got to give up some of the upside, right? right? That's the index annuity. Yeah. So they're basically saying, hey, the S&P 500, if it returns 10%, which has been kind of the historical average over the last 50 some years, if it returns 10%, that's great. But you're capped off at getting three and a half or four, if you're lucky. That's probably... Today, yeah, you'd be lucky to get that. That'd be good caps. But best you can do, even if the S&P 500 does 100%, that doubles its return, you still only get three and a half or four Correct. on your annuity. That's an upside cap. That's the yep. upside cap. But on the downside, if the S&P 500 goes down 40%, you don't lose a dollar. You just get a 0% return on your annuity. Right. So you're getting that downside protection, but the upside potential is, is limited. But... The interesting thing about that is that whenever you go into a contract, whether it's a fixed or variable or anything, there's there's what's called surrender charges. And this is where we run into the flexibility issue. So depending on what type of contract you sign up for with the insurance company, it could be a three-year or a five-year, or we've seen them up to 13 or 15-year contracts, where if you touch any of the money within that contract... There's some, you know, exceptions for certain amounts, but if you touch any of the money in that contract, you're penalized when you take it out. Not only do you have to pay taxes on some of that, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but you're also penalized by the insurance company for early withdrawals and you have to pay a surrender charge for that. Right. And so comparing that to regular investments, whether it's a stock or a bond that you have, you know, the secondary market where you can just sell it and you have to worry about tax situation, but you never have to worry about a penalty for liquidating your funds. It's the opposite in an annuity. So when you're doing a financial plan, you need to know what are my potential surrender charges? What do I have access to and what don't I have access to without any penalties? Because that can affect how your income works in retirement. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that is new in the last couple of years in that sort of the surrender periods and all that is that uh, fiduciary uh, investment advisors can now sell a lot of those annuities. So you go, would I be better off going to a commission guy or am I better off going to a fee-based fiduciary who's going to do the best job for me or his, my best interest is number one and there's not a commission involved? Now there's an ongoing fee to that advisor who's going to make sure he puts you in a product, I would hope, most guys should, if they're a fiduciary, put it in a product that's going to do better over the long haul for you. As well as a commission guy is going to get wham, bam, usually paid one big fat commission that first year right up front. And then after that, who cares? You know, you might be in there for 10 years, but that's how it works. So the surrender period is the critical piece, one of the critical pieces that you have to be aware of. And the flexibility is, is like you said, it's very limited. Usually 10% a year you can get out. So I put 100 grand in, I can pull 10,000 out each year. That sounds great, but if I pull 10,000 out after the first year, I now have 90,000. If I pull 10% out that year, that's 9,000, not 10,000. Now mm-hmm. I'm down to 81,000 and I can pull 10. And it just, you know, the 10% becomes less, right? Right, right. I mean, we got to think through all that. You just can't say, oh, that sounds good. I can get 10% out of there. Well, that's a shrinking 10% if you're doing it every year. Right. And yeah, and not ideal for most people. Right. So the flexibility is a killer, flexibility, especially in retirement. Well, and, and you, you find this with, with clients that we've worked with in the past. Flexibility is so necessary for them. You know, you don't know when you're going to have a medical issue. You don't know when, you know, you're going to have a grandkid in three or four years that you want to go visit more often. You need 
access to some travel money. You don't know what's coming around the corner. Life throws you a curveball the second, you know, we, we just had a conversation with a guy who just retired, sold his business, and had a stroke. How how would he have ever known that after he was done working that he was going to have a medical issue like that, that he has to now, you know, go to all these doctor's appointments, he's going to be paying all these medical bills, and it's just like, you just never know. And flexibility right. is so key that in some cases, an annuity can destroy a retirement plan because you only have access to a small amount of funds or you end up paying excruciating amounts of surrender charges to get access to what you need. Yeah. It just doesn't always make sense. Now, the other thing that you talked about briefly when we when you're um, talking about annuities. Rambling on. When you're rambling on. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we do on this podcast. This is just, uh, you know. Ranting an, and raving. It's an official way that we can say that we get to rant and rave. But um, you talked about fees because a lot of these are sold with the idea, well, you don't pay any fees. You, you know, that, that doesn't come out of your account. Well, that's weird because as an agent, I, I am a licensed insurance agent in Ohio. As an agent, I get paid when I sell any sort of insurance product. So how is it that I get paid by the insurance company, but there's no fees to the client? That's the question because you think about it, you go, well, how, how does that work? Well, the reality is, is there's commissions for us who it is paid by the insurance company. It doesn't come directly out of your contract. There, that's that's the sales point right there. Well, you don't pay for it. The insurance the insurance company, company, does. company does, and it doesn't come directly out of your money. You mean in your that pot. insurance company has that big giant building downtown? Actually, gives money to the agent to sell it, and they don't they don't make any. They're the ones that are eating it. Ah, it, oh, really? It really goes back to that idea that yeah. How is it that some of the richest companies in the United States are insurance companies? How'd they get there? Well, it's because they sell contracts like this and other life policies and different types of products that they benefit and profit off of in massive ways. They've, they have guys that are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're called actuaries, and they calculate the statistics and play the games in their offices to figure out exactly how much money and what's the statistical probability that we're going to be this profitable on this product. And that's how they release these products. They, oh, it's huge money. They huge come money. down to the to the dollars and cents and realize that, yeah, sure, on this S&P 500 annual point to point, we're going to be giving them a 3% upside and they're never going to have downside. But we're getting so much more when the S&P goes up and it's not our money we're making it off of. We didn't have to, the insurance company never had to put a dime into it. They took your money and they're taking all the profits off your money and you're getting a small portion of that for the guarantee that every once in a while when the market goes down, yeah, we're going to have to take a small hit, but overall, statistically, we're going to be the winners and they are. It's yeah. just crazy. And so this, let's simplify that for a second and sure. forget the index annuity. Yeah. Because that's a little more complicated product. They got to buy bonds for the guarantee. And then whatever's left over from the bonds is what they buy the S&P options with. So they don't make anything on the S&P option per se. But the bond part side of it's where the money's made. And uh, so, but if we go to a, just a simple fixed interest annuity. So kind of uh, like a CD is what you're what Yeah, you're say about. I, I buy an annuity from a company and it's eight year annuity and it pays 3%. So what that insurance company does is take your money, puts it in with the rest of their investment portfolio. And let's say today they're earning 5%. They're probably maybe four and a half, five. I don't know. They're all different. Bonds are way down. So the yield to a insurance company's portfolio, their actual investment portfolio is probably down because most of them have a bulk of those assets in bonds. So let's say they make five and they're turn around paying the client three. Is there a cost to that? 
Yeah, and here's why. Because they're buying bonds just like you could buy bonds or bond mutual funds that would average for, if you look historically, there's different ones out there. There's different risks. There's a whole That's a whole gamut, so I won't go mm-hmm. into a lot of detail. But let's say you could average 4 or 5% in a bond fund. Now, you're taking the risk because the bond funds can go up and down, right? Right. But the bond funds will do pretty close to probably what that bond portfolio is doing in an insurance company. Right. I'm not saying exact. I'm just being very general here, but it could be very close to that. So why wouldn't you take the risk, get four or 5% and over long periods of time, they're not going to, you're not going to go bankrupt. Now, if you buy one or two or three bonds, you have a pretty high risk. You're not very diversified, right? right. So you want to have a diversified portfolio of bonds, but the insurance company knows that they're not going to lose any money on those bonds because they have so many of them. So they're going to make 2% each year off of you and their, their portfolio is still growing, right? right? So And paying their overhead. So there is a cost because you could step out of the insurance world, go to a bond portfolio, say mutual funds, full 100% liquidity. Mm-hmm. So you got flexibility if life throws a curveball at you. And I have the opportunity to make the full return, not give up some of it to the insurance company who's taking a little piece off the top. So there is a cost to that. There's always a cost. Insurance companies don't get rich by accident. Right. And nobody ever wants to discuss it in the annuity world. And trust me, look, I sold a lot of annuities in the 90s. I learned my lesson through those, the integrity of that industry. I just don't have a lot of respect for anymore. There is a few good companies out there that do have integrity for the most of them. They're all about making money, not for the client but for themselves. But for themselves. Well, and, and a lot of these insurance companies, they're public companies. So they're, they're, they don't even care about the client. They're trying to please the shareholder. We need to show profits. We need to show big earnings. We need to make sure our stock prices are up. And, you know, sorry, client, you're just a small piece of the puzzle. You're a cog in our giant machine that is generating money for us and our shareholders. That's essentially, that's the problem with the idea of getting involved in something like that with a giant insurance company is, it may not be what's in your best interest because they have they have mouths to feed, if you want to put it that way, at the top in the boardroom that need to make sure that things are going well. But so, they do have a new form now. Oh, they it's do. It's called the best interest form that yeah. you know you as the client sign, and after it's uh, you know blown through real fast, it's supposed to solve all the issues in the annuity world. But anyhow, I could go on forever about all the crap that goes on in that world. I'm not going to. I don't want to ditch them any more than I already have, but sure. I don't have a lot of respect for it. I And I, I totally get it. So here's another one, and this is another point that um, is really different and doesn't get discussed a whole lot. But talk about taxes on annuities versus maybe taxes on something like an investment account. You know, so when you look at annuities, that a lot of them have deferred taxes on the interest, right? So you invest, let's say you invest $10,000 of your own money out of your bank. You've already paid taxes on it as income, all that stuff. And you put that $10,000 in a five-year annuity that's paying two and a half percent. That's, you know, it's, keep it simple with the fixed interest, all that stuff. That's all good and dandy and fine, except every bit of interest that accumulates in that account is now taxable, but within an annuity on a non-qualified account where you've already paid taxes on the principal, that interest that's accruing is taxable as income. Now compare that to an investment account. You put $10,000 into maybe a mutual fund, a bond mutual fund for that matter, 
and the interest is accruing. Your returns are accruing within the account. When you decide to sell that off, those gains in that type of fund are taxed at a capital gains rate, which is lower percentage than what your current income rate is. Currently. So, yeah, and that's current. They're, they're, those are subject to change with our new administration and what they're trying to do with taxes. But that the idea is, is that you're, you're paying less taxes on gains and maybe a bond mutual fund than what you're going to be paying taxes on interest that you accrue within an annuity. And that never seems to get discussed. I don't think I ever heard a client with an annuity come in here and say, I can't believe that, you know, they told me that I was going to pay more taxes on this money. They just, it's almost like it just got breezed over. Oh, well, nobody ever wants to talk about that side of it. So also I think that's why you're alive. But when you pass away, all the accumulation in that annuity is taxable to the beneficiary. So if you have kids that are in high income tax brackets, their share of that gain in that annuity, they're going to get whacked with taxes. And um, so it is a... Which is different from... In a mutual funds, a mutual fund that currently, has, or any stock, or any kind of a, even real estate, any appreciation steps up to cost basis at the date of death. So I put ten thousand in something, it grows to fifty thousand. The date of my death, if it's an annuity, there's forty thousand taxable in that annuity to my beneficiaries. If it's a mutual fund, it steps up from ten to the fifty. The day that I die, it's worth fifty thousand. There's no tax from that dis- difference under current law. And as long as it goes to the next generation. Yeah. So that goes to, to the 50,000 and then there's no tax if they get it right at the 50,000. Now, if it sits there for another year and grows to 54,000, there's some. obviously there'd be 4,000 attacks from the date of death till the time the beneficiaries receive the money. The point is that's a huge benefit that does not exist in an annuity. So in retirement planning or estate planning, how can that be a, the best product? Just yeah. let's think about it. it. How can that be the best product? And most fiduciaries out there are not going to push annuities in that situation. Most of these are going to be the people that are not in the fiduciary world. They're not investment advisors. They're financial advisors working under a broker dealer or under an annuity contract, just life and health license. And uh, so they're not looking at that whole angle, but that's because there's a commission involved and uh, commission addiction, I like to call it. But anyhow, that's that's a huge, huge issue when it comes to retirement. As we get older, right, our chances of dying are higher. So we need to think about taxes in everything right. that we do, wherever we place money. That's part of the conversation with a good investment advisory firm. Well, and I think you mentioned this too. A lot of times when the next generation inherits money, it's usually in a full stride of their career. They're either in their 40s or maybe their 50s. They're making the most money they've ever made in their life. And now all of a sudden, they're getting this inheritance of, say, $50,000, but all of a sudden, they have to add 40000 of that to their income, and they're paying 25 30 35%, depending on what income tax bracket they're in. They're paying a lot more tax on that than their parents would have paid if they would have withdrawn it at their lowering retirement. Income. Exactly. And it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And and that's, we do this type of planning a lot. If someone comes in and we say, okay, now let's talk about how do you want to leave this to your beneficiaries? What kind of tax situation do you want to set them up for? And we may talk about, you know, Roth conversions of a traditional IRA, or we may talk about different types of ideas to say, okay, let's pay the taxes now at your income bracket. So when your son or daughter who is making, you know, six figures or, you know, even more if they're, if they have a really successful career, let's make sure they're not paying 30 or 35% in taxes when you're only paying 10 to 12. 
you know, let's do this now and let's plan this all out ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, there is strategies where annuities can come into play. It isn't the solvent to all of it. It could be an addendum to a good financial plan in certain circumstances. There's people who want zero risk in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, if you're going to look in that world, which I still would not recommend annuities, but if you get into that, there's a, maybe a 2% chance in all the insurance world that you find a decent contract that isn't going to screw you and lock you up forever and not give you flexibility. They're hard, very hard to find, and they're not going to be touted out there publicly because the guys that are touting all this stuff are make, selling the big commission stuff. Guys selling the really good little contracts that don't pay a lot of commission are probably not touting them to out publicly or advertising. Well, they don't them. have the advertising dollars because they're not making that <laughs> yeah, much. There's you not know? much money to be made. It's more of an addendum to help somebody out in certain circumstances, but not a big fan here, as obviously you can tell. But, you know, I have done just about every kind of annuity over the years. I studied the index annuity in the 90s when they came out. I read the book on how they design them. I get the whole thing. I just think the integrity of the insurance industry has wandered off the original design of the index annuity, and therefore they screw the client over the long period of time. You don't get the returns you think you're going to get, and uh, you can't do anything about it because you're locked in. So just wrapping this whole thing up, uh, I mean, annuities, they might have their place. You know, It depends on the client, depends on the financial plan, depends on what their goals are. They may have a spot for that. But it doesn't mean that it's a one size fits all. And so, you know, we talk about dumb things smart people believe. I've had a lot of very intelligent people come through our office and say, look what I got from this guy. It's awesome. And when you break it down and you look at the inside and the building of what this annuity might have been or what how it was sold to this client, you start to realize, wait a second, this isn't as smart as I thought it was. And so, Here's what I'm going to tell you guys as our listeners. If you want us to take a look at something that that you have, whether it's an annuity or an investment portfolio, you want to get a good idea of, you know, am I in a good spot or a bad spot with this? We do free consultations. So you can go to our website, fikeadvisors.com, and right there on the homepage in the top right corner, there's a schedule now button. You click that, it takes you directly to our calendar. You can pick a 20 or 30 minute appointment. We can do it by phone or in person if you're comfortable with that right now. It's totally up to you. And we can just discuss a little bit about what's going on with your financial situation. It may be something where you got one of that 2%. You may have a good annuity and it does fit your plan. Or maybe you're part of the 98% that Brad, you know, part of Brad's opinion, of course, of the 98% where we may need to do some things that help you get out of it or, or arrange it properly in a better way so that you're at least getting the most bang for your buck out of it. So give it, you know, check out our website, fikeadvisors.com, schedule now if you want to, and we can set something up to, to look at those types of things. And it doesn't hurt to have a second opinion on something like that. Yeah. And also ask the, uh, whoever's uh, pushing those on you is that it- just, you know, right to their face go, do you have commission addiction? <laughs> oh, I, I'd actually like to hear what their response would be. Cause I had somebody do this to me when, when we were talking investments, how much money will you make off of me? That was their direct question. I loved it. We got, I broke it down on the board and, you know, I looked at how right. much money they were going to have and what our annual fee was going to be. And then I projected, I said, so if you're a client for five years, this is how much you're going to pay. If we, you know, we, we got to play with all the numbers and they were real. I'd be interested to see what the annuity guy says. Oh, he doesn't have to disclose it at this point. So anyhow, uh, 
we welcome that. I welcome that's a part of our discussion. If you're a fiduciary investment advisor, you legally have an obligation to tell your client what you're getting paid. They need to know that and they get to see that every year, whatever it is, what's going on. They they see it in their quarterly statements. Mm-hmm. You buy an annuity, you have no idea what that guy made. And I'm going to tell you right now, he probably made some darn good money. Yeah, I've seen some pretty good commissions. Six, seven percent, <laughs> you know, on $100,000. You just paid for a couple vacations for that family. You're darn right. So anyway, long story short, we would love to give you a second opinion on that. And we're going to talk about another thing uh, coming up in our next episode. We'll be talking about stock picking. So another thing that uh, smart people, another dumb thing smart people believe is that there are certain stocks out there and you can find them and you could just get absolutely rich off of them. How about GameStop and AMC? How are they doing right now? I don't know. I got a buddy in AMC. I'll, 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 uh, it's gone way down quite a bit. I'll shoot him some I text look. messages before our- Get some insight from before, the Robin Hooders. That's right. Before our next episode. <laughs> But either way, stock picking, um, we're going to be talking about that in our next episode. It's going to be a real interesting one. You'll want to stick around for that. And that will come out in two weeks. I promise. We're not going to skip another Okay. One. You can count on me for whatever that date would be, August something in two weeks from, commit. from today. I, I'm in. I'm fully committed. So right. we'll, we'll talk about that then. In the meantime, if you guys want to leave us a rating or review uh, on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, give us five stars or... If you really think you want to give us one star, I guess we'll take that too. I'd rather not. No, no, no. Tell oh, your friends. Five stars in. only. Five Tell stars your friends. Only. We'll get better at this. Yeah, we will. We will. And then you could uh, you can leave a review too. That helps us with the algorithm. If anyone searches for financial or personal finance stuff on podcasts, if we get enough reviews that we pop up towards the top. So share us with your friends. We'd love to have that. Um, and in the meantime, you guys have a great rest of your week. Goodbye. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.